0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of the Pink Bike Podcast. Today is a juicy topic. We're talking electronics on mountain bikes, good or bad. Uh, I'm Mike Levy, your host, as always. And today with me, I have my paid intern, Mike Casmer. Casmer, how's it going? I'm doing well. Good. Yeah, I thought I'd bump you up a little bit. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. And as always, we have James. James, how's it going?
1: Yeah, Yeah, good. Thanks, Mike.
0: Good, good. Guys, Yes or no answer? Electronics on mountain bikes. Talk of drivetrain, suspension. Yes or no? Are you a fan in general or not? I'm, I'm going to go no on this one. Casimir's no. James? Yeah, it's yes. You are. Okay. So we're going to revisit that later in the podcast. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of arguing. Uh, but for now, James,
1: tell us about the news. Um yeah sure so we'll start with um psychosis uh, which is is back um so instead of adh at the kicking horse work summer series they um revived the psychosis series so this has been 12 years in hibernation um it's a top to bottom race uh, at mount seven um back then the course record uh, chris kavaric was 12.35 this year's winning time, 11.19, uh, set by Hemi Fitzgerald. Um, and in fact, all but one rider, which was um, Brett Reader in the men's field, ended up beating Karoik's time. Um, I think if you want any evidence of how much better we have it with bikes these days, this is it, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. And I, I can't imagine that the course is any easier these days. Like It's probably rougher, I think, from how, how, after having such a long hiatus. So, yeah, it's pretty impressive.
0: Do you guys remember when Hill and Stevie showed up for that?
2: That was yeah cool, eh? it's so good like yeah. this was a classic race i like the format just being so long and the fact they did have to run i remember seeing videos of those guys like running up the hill back in the day to get through that like flatter section in the middle but other than that it's crazy steep like looking at the at the footage it's there's not too many courses that have that much sustained steep vertical for a long time
0: have you ridden the top section I've never been there. I want to. Yeah, go. me neither. I, yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to go there though. It looks Grim Donut. Yeah. Uh, perfect for on. the Grim Donut. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely cool to see. Um, I think Jesse Melamed nearly cleaned the hiker bike section on his enduro bike. So like monster, absolute monster. Yeah, it was also worth noting. Um, All Aln, sorry, won on an enduro bike, and she was three and a half minutes into Claire Bouchard's winning time from 2008. So Jeez. lots of impressive stuff going on there for sure um and yeah the crank work summer series that's going to come to an end next week um and it's pretty tight at the top especially in the women's so there'll be uh, plenty to watch and it should be quite exciting um so yeah we'll get on to some bikes um, there are a few updates from giant um on their live range um they brought up in a 29er model of the uh, intrigue um, so it's a bit short on travel but a bit more modern geometry and they're still going to keep the 27.5 ones this is just a, b- a bit of an, a, an extra option uh, and then the Trance X is a longer travel version of the Trance uh, which we tested in the field test in 2018 and that went on to be your staff bike right uh, Levy?
0: Yeah yeah I rode that for a while that was a fun little bike for sure.
1: Would you be interested in one with uh, a bit more travel?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I have to be interested in it. That's my job. <laughs> 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 yes, I am I suspect that I'm going to be putting some time in on that new Trans X. And I did ride that old one a whole bunch, so it'll be interesting to compare
1: the two. Cool. So other new bikes, uh, we had a couple of new hardtails this week, both with very different intentions. First up, the BMC two-stroke, uh, which is quite maybe a progressive XC hardtail would be a good way to describe it. Um, so only a 100mm fork, but a 67 degree head angle. There's some high spec carbon models, but also uh, an aluminium full build at just over a grand uh, for those looking to get into racing. And then at the other end, other end of the scale, um, the Honzo ESD, uh, which is a 63 degree head angle and 150 millimetre fork. Kaz, you reviewed it. Um, you admitted not being a fan of this hardcore hardtail thing. Did this kind of convince you otherwise?
2: No, it it didn't convince me otherwise. Like I, I understand the appeal and I understand why people buy them and I, I know why they exist and I've spent a lot of time on hardtails for all the people that think that it's not that I don't know about hardtails. I have plenty people of miles are very, on Very, very angry, Casmer. Yeah, people get mad. But I mean, like on paper, it's a cool looking bike and there is there are gonna people are gonna love it. Like it has all the things. But when you look at the other side, it's like thirty three pound hardtail that costs almost three thousand dollars. And so for me personally, I would probably go with a full suspension bike at that
0: dude steel is real though i know you gotta pay a premium to be so real
2: (laughs) yeah like in it it's fine like and this is just more of a personal preference like that bmc almost appeals to me a little bit more even though i love riding hard trails and you know i spend a lot of time on longer travel enduro bikes but for a hardtail i kind of want it to feel a little bit different like a little bit lighter also so the bmc looks like it'd be pretty fun like snappy and nimble and would be a nice kind of change from what I used to. Where I was on the Hanzo, it felt a lot like an enduro bike, but then you kind of go on some
0: rough stuff and you realize like, oh, I'm on a hard tail and I'm going too fast. Yeah. To be fair too, we did like that green aluminum Hanzo that we had in Sedona for the field test, field trip.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've liked the previous Hanzo. And there's also a new Hanzo non-ESD version, which looks like it'd be really fun. Like it has a little bit slacker um, head angle than the previous Hanzo, a little more travel up front I think it's 140 mil fork but it still kind of falls into that more all-rounder category not this super slack uh hardcore hardtail I also don't like the phrase hardcore hardtail I don't know it just seems silly but you know these things exist and there are people that love them and so nothing against you if you have a 60 degree hardtail that weighs 40 pounds just more power to you enjoy like it's not a new thing either because Levy remembers as well like early 2000s Whistler bike park like everybody
0: had where they the
2: DMRs or like
0: the master T. I lived on I went through a bunch of those DMR sidekicks and then I had a mm-hmm. two four three, that steel hardtail yeah. with atom lab rims, profile cranks. It had two DH tubes in the back. Yeah. We've all we've done the hardtail thing. It's, yeah, so some people for some people
2: might be new and then it's not quite that new, so yeah. I don't know. It exists. I'm not the biggest fan, but that's okay. Like I can still ride them and explain it. how they <laughs> I don't hate it. It's just not my thing. But there's lots of people that like it, so it's fine. <laughs> We're gonna talk more one. about hardtails
0: next week though. Just before we went on air, Kaz, you said, and I quote, I hate hardtails. I don't hate hard. I didn't say that. <laughs>
2: I own a hardtail. I like my dirt James jumper. I one of the <laughs> news. James, no. news. You, can,
1: you can defend yourself next week, Kaz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Schwalbe has tried to simplify its tire range by introducing five new cases casings from the sort of really burly super downhill to a more lightweight um, super race casing. Um, there's also two new tread patterns so the knobby nick has been updated and the big betty has made a return kaz i think you've had a little bit of time on these have you got any sort of quick first impressions on them yeah
2: um yeah i got like the knobby nick i just have that on kind of my trail bike and it's been really dry and kind of perfect trail conditions here so it felt great in those conditions but uh, it'll be interesting to see once things get wetter and sloppier and then the big betty uh yeah kind of similar to a dhr with those blocky tread pattern just a good Lots of lots of traction. Probably a little taller taller height than a DHR, so maybe it'll last a little longer. We'll see. Isn't isn't the name Big Betty body shaming? No, it's body positive. It's isn't promoting it? Big Betty. I guess, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know but,
0: either. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> either way, I, I do think they have like their lineup is it seems like it should be simpler, maybe a little easier for people to understand. It is funny they still have to stick the name super in front of every... They could have just saw like the trail casing, downhill casing, gravity casing, but it's still super trail, super downhill, super super gravity. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) But it it hopefully does.
2: (laughs) I think it'll make it easier.
1: Ski brand uh, Rossignol. uh, Looks like they're preparing to launch with bikes in in some form or another. Um, All we've seen is a a picture of uh, a supposed prototype. Um, Someone was riding it in a video. So Ross and Yol, they own Felt and they also own Time, who are a, sort of a road bike company, so they've definitely got some interest in this area. Um, did you guys see this bike? Yeah, I've seen pictures of that floating around a little bit. Like it does kind of look like an updated Felt. Uh, be interesting
2: to see what they yeah.
0: created. There are there are a bunch of Rosnal bikes right being ridden here in Squamish, and I mean they don't they don't look half bad. They uh, they look I don't even know what they how much they cost, but they look like they wouldn't cost a lot and if they have good geo and decent suspension definitely nothing wrong with them yeah well they sell some now like they have you can go on their
2: website now and buy some which I imagine being squamish to a ski town some people might be getting using their, like their pro deals to buy exactly. bikes too you know like their ski pro deal buy some bikes but yeah um, but yeah this one looks like the most refined one it looked like would it have a carbon frame
1: okay. yeah it looks to be carbon I think it's a 150 mil two niner
2: yeah it'd be cool to see what they come out with another company more things to ride it's always good
1: and then we'll round off the news with the seven video it's always a nice way to start a week a new seven video um this one's a trail bike edit um on a custom-made track in bc seminock being seminock isn't it in good at bike yeah
2: his trails look different than my trails his are really smooth with very very big jumps i didn't i thought it was really like calling it a trail bike edit is a little bit of a stretch that's what i do on
0: my trail yeah as well i feel like come on
2: (laughs) (laughs) what's wrong with you get it together (laughs) i mean i love watching him these his skills he's got like the cool like I don't know the way he
0: moves his knees. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's ridiculous. His style. Yeah. I mean, everybody yeah, knows just he's. Doesn't no like it. Yeah, nobody like it. Impressive stuff. Yeah.
2: Plus, he wears those white pants, and somebody even said in the comments something about like he wears those white pants as a flex to show that he didn't crash, which
0: is pretty good. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like
1: it. He, he does have a tire mark in one shot. I noticed that. So uh-huh. Didn't quite pull it He off.
0: probably buzzed his ass when he freaking like had the bike all turned upside down, crooked, and doing who knows what. Yeah. I will say he does have a dropper post, so
2: I'll take that back. It is a trail bike edit because he has a dropper post on that bike. So it it looks like it's maybe an axis dropper post.
0: It's not a trail bike edit unless he wakes up early, makes breakfast in slow motion, and then rides out the door. This actually is going to lead
2: into our discussion pretty well because he has an axis rear derailleur also. He's running full axis on his trail bike that he's doing flippy spinny things on. Well, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Makes the ball spins easier. (laughs) Kaz is already riled about our discussion.
0: (laughs) But before we get to that, we're going to look at some questions. So these are all questions that PB users have posted in the comments section. Uh, And the first one is on a field test review, and it is from Amanta. He says, Talking about head tube angles on cross-country race bikes, I think Levy is right. Kaz, are you listening? He says, I think Levy is right when he says we will hover around 68 degrees for some time uh, for all the reasons that Sarah mentions. But what about reach and stem length? Is a longer bike with a steeper head tube angle and shorter stem more or less stable than a shorter bike with a slacker head tube angle? I'd like to hear your thoughts. Kazimer?
2: um i mean i do feel like we'll start to see we already have seen it like xc bikes are going to get a little bit longer i don't think they're going to go to the extremes that we're seeing in the in the aduro world because just body position and the way you're riding them is is different but um yeah we've already seen them get a little bit longer and stems have gotten shorter obviously like it's rare that you see those crazy long you know 100 mil stems not around really anymore as much someone sure still running one but they're down to like 70s 60s or you know 80 90 was a lot more common
0: So basically, just to paraphrase what he's asking, he's wondering if uh, a longer bike with a steeper head tube angle is more or less stable than a shorter bike with a slacker. So is it, he's wondering, basically, is it head angle or is it reach, Casimir? That's the biggest factor there, it sounds like. I mean, you're kind of
2: doing the same thing. Either way, you're going to get a longer wheelbase. So I think you'll, you know, the steering is going to be a little bit different with that slacker head angle versus just going with a... Like you get the stability, if you kept the steep seat angle, or sorry, if you kept the steep head tube angle, but lengthen the bike, you'd get a little bit more stability, but you'd maintain that quick handling.
0: Yeah. Actually, Um, just sorry to interrupt you there. That's a lot. We're going to talk about the Revel Ranger at some point in a future podcast, but that's mm kind of what I felt with the Revel Ranger and it has it's longer for 70 something reach but with a bit steeper head angles than the other bike. So mm-hmm. that's a great comparison exactly.
2: Yeah, so a lot of it just be kind of what the company's trying to achieve with that um but overall I still you know we are going to see even XC bikes go the longer and mm-hmm. slacker route but just not the extremes of other ones because they still need to handle quickly.
0: Yeah, and there's no right or wrong and obviously I mean it's the it's the easy way out but it's the sum of the numbers. You know, one isn't all that more important than the other one, so uh, Casimir, the next question is also for you. It's from L Mackey, and he says, are your current favorite tires still under embargo?
2: They are. They're my favorite tires when it's really sloppy and nasty out. So I haven't been riding them the last little bit because the sun came mm-hmm. out and it's dry and almost dusty. But, uh, but yeah, there are new tires coming. I think late September, early October, just everything got delayed. So uh, they're embargoed. Just still, tell me what they do see. Don't, don't yeah, tell them. Tell me. I'll whisper.
0: Just say it. Oh, sick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Those will be good. Those will be good. (laughs) Okay. And our last question, uh, this is on the Psychosis Tires article. Eric Kellison, I would love to hear what tires are being run by non-MAXIS sponsored athletes. What are some other good tires out there? This felt way too much like a commercial, he says, uh, not actually reporting on what people are running. Uh, The thing is, there's a lot of Maxis tires out there, isn't there, Kaz? Yeah.
2: <laughs> and yeah. And the fact that like the saying that we're not actually reporting what people are running, that was the whole point of the article was what people are running. They're all running Maxis. So yeah. it's not like it's yeah, it wasn't a commercial, it just happens that you know, I think there are how many athletes out there, twenty-five or something. The yeah, vast, not a thing. Ma- the vast majority ha- ended up on being on Maxis. So it's just kind of yeah. how it happened.
0: Yeah, but uh, I'm going to answer this one because I'm a big believer in all sorts of other tires as well, too. I like different stuff. I've had great luck with tires from Vittoria, the Moda. I think that's how you pronounce it. I like that one a lot, too. And same with E13 tires with that slow, reezy rubber compound. You know, just make sure you get the right casing and the right compound. And there's a lot of good tires out there, people. You don't got to buy Maxis.
1: I think the other thing is that some people are running blacked out tires that they didn't potentially want us snooping around as much with our film crew and Christina yeah. and everything like that so and those
2: um, blacked out tires are probably Max's also yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 it's definitely the number one blacked out tire over yeah 100% yeah alright so that brings us to the end of the questions and the start of our discussion I can see Casimir right now on my screen he looks all riled he's he's actually growling at me right now <laughs> Electronics on bikes, good or bad. We're not talking e-bikes, of course. That's a topic for another podcast, maybe, but probably not. We're talking electronic components, things like Axis drivetrain, Shimano's Di2, Fox's live valve suspension, Magura's dropper seat post. That was one of the, the earliest examples. Shock whiz, tire whiz. And speaking of Early examples, Kaz. Do you remember that K two Nolene shock with the nine volt battery and the little piezoelectric valve in it?
2: I do. Yeah, I remember that. I worked in a shop where we sold those things. Was it the K two Animal had that on yeah, it? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Uh-huh. I, remember I remember thinking it. that was amazing. <clears throat> yeah. What did you? What did What did twenty year old Kaz think when he saw that?
2: I thought it was kind of amazing, but I also didn't like the battery part because it just seemed like it might not be doing anything. And I don't think it actually did anything in that fork. Yeah, I don't know. Like piezoelectric, I don't know about, oh yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what was yeah. going on there.
0: <laughs> I'm not convinced it did anything anyway, but I still wanted it. Yeah, it looked cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Casimir, tell me your stance on electronics on bikes. What do you What do you think?
2: I'm not the biggest fan. We have seen some pretty cool stuff come out in the last couple of years that makes it uh, more appealing. But overall, I just kind of like the simplicity of bikes, being able to fix something in the field, you know, swap out a rear derailleur cable, or don't have to worry about batteries dying. I think for me, it's more that I don't want to have to charge things because I just have so many cords and cables and I forget things. And if I was ever on a ride, or I have been, if I show up to a ride and my batteries are dead in my derailleur, then it just makes me grumpy.
0: Have, has that happened to you, Cass?
2: Yeah, I showed up at a ride and my battery was
0: dead. <laughs> yeah, so when you go for a bike ride, though, I, I suspect... Well actually I know that you're just as anal as me and you check your tire pressure with a digital gauge before every mm-hmm. ride don't you Yeah super important biggest yeah. factor in how your bike performs I mean why aren't you just popping your battery on the charger
2: I forget because it's it's a new oh. thing they're like electronic and the oh. batteries my bikes haven't had batteries for me in a rider air <laughs> Oh yeah it's rider air like it should have been charged but I don't have to, if I had a cable I wouldn't have to remember to charge it for sure for sure Yeah okay yeah, and the, so, on the trailhead, if my ba- if my tires are a little bit too low, I can just pump them up. If my battery's too low,
0: yeah, I just have to go home. You put a bunch of time on Axis drivetrains as well, mm-hmm. eh? yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, and I have I think I have a few on test bikes right now. I'm a huge fan of that thing. Um, let me tell you why. Well, you already know why. I'm gonna I'm gonna remind you again, Kazmer. Okay. <laughs> For me, all it is I just love the fact that you. It's literally a button press to make the shift. Instead of that lever push. And we all know how to shift. We all know that you have to push that lever X amount and you hear the click. And we also know that you go past the click. It's subconscious now, isn't it Kaz? It's for the most part, we don't even think about it. Right. Right. Yeah. But with axis, you just hit the button. You just touch the button and it <laughs> happens. It's amazing. That's all you do with a shifter too. <laughs> like an X- No, year. you don't. You don't.
2: Yeah, you though. just click it and it
0: goes. Yeah, Yeah. no, I don't. I would disagree with that. I mean, I've been with these field test bikes. I've had to get on a bike using a traditional cable drivetrain, which works well, works great. It's not holding me back for sure. Not holding me back.
2: It's yeah, not- <laughs> if anyone says that their, their cable <laughs> yeah. drivetrain is holding them back, they're wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'll give you that for sure. But then I get on Axis and I just touch the button and it always works exactly right.
2: Yeah, mine's I hit a stump with mine yesterday, and it's not working exactly. Right. Oh shit! Yeah,
0: <laughs> it like, is it dead? Did you look?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's like because it sh- it doesn't drop into the spokes or anything, which is good, and it doesn't drop off to the uh, to the hardest gear. But it's just like you have to double click now. So I really need to fuss around with it and see what's going on. Yeah, it was, a but I mean, pretty hard hitting a stump
0: though. I I know what you're gonna say to this, but. You could do the same thing with a fancy XTR derailleur or an inexpensive SLX derailleur. Oh yeah, I know. them on things, and, and they they do work.
2: Yeah, and I, I think like I I get it, and I get why they exist, but for me, they're just not for me. It's a seven hundred dollar rear derailleur. Uh, oh yeah, which no, I that's could crazy. buy a lot of Dior rear derailers for that price.
0: It's a thousand Canadian, I think.
2: Yeah, again, yeah, the whole kit crazy. is like a thousand dollars for the shifter and things. So it's, I mean, obviously that's going to go down in price as time goes on because it's you know as with any yeah. new technology. But, uh, yeah. Like, I will say that the lack, the fact that you don't have to run cables, that's pretty cool because it does make bike building so much faster.
0: Yeah. It is literally simpler though. That's the thing. Like, I, I don't buy that argument where a traditional cable operated drivetrain is simpler because it's not. Well, it has a motor in your derailleur now and my normal
2: derailleurs don't have a motor in them. So I don't know how it's any, how it's not, how it's, how is it simpler?
0: It, it might have a few more pieces. Right. Which means it's more complicated. How are you
2: well, going to rebuild that motor?
0: There's less to go wrong for you on the trail. How? I mean, you don't have cables and housing and stuff that's going to get shitty. Your cable and housing
2: got shitty during a ride. We have full length hey, cable now on all bikes, like full housing it, on all bikes now.
0: It still gets crappy. Cables get kinked and stuff like that. And things need to get looked after. How often? Well, I mean, I'm on a different test bike every other yeah, week. it's so not that often. Not <laughs> so often, but. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah,
2: even your, now, like now your derailleur is hanging off. It has a battery on it and a motor inside it. in you know and it's exposed to all the things you'd be smacking your normal non-motorized derailleur so yeah it's more complicated there's they're easy to use like you're you're right in saying like setup and all that is simple but the actual like intricacies of that derailleur are more complicated than a traditional derailleur
0: for sure and as long as it keeps on trucking and doing what it's supposed to do it could be more complicated i don't i don't give a shit about that um james what do you think
1: um well i've not ridden axis i've kind of demoed it at a trade show but I feel like that's not really a great substitute for real life experience so like on paper I love the sound of it um for a personal bike like no way could I justify that cost I don't think but yeah like as Kaz says you know this is something that's gonna go down in value and hopefully will trickle down to to other kind of drivetrain levels and yeah I'm, I'm super interested in that for sure and like I think I've mentioned on this podcast before I don't really work on my own bike anyway, so I'll just take it to the shop when it goes wrong like any other derailleur. Yeah, yeah.
2: You mentioned the sound. I don't think I like the sound of it either, but some people love it. It sounds like a little robot going like... And then I I think it just makes me feel embarrassed as almost oh, like really? being pretentious like, I, I it's
0: purposely like, <laughs> shift when I'm riding with people with normal drive trains I shift just so they hear the noise I know you it do. sounds expensive
2: <laughs> yeah I like it I want to be quiet
0: <laughs> I just have an easier time than you being a dick maybe it's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah James the price I, I mean there's no arguing the price like it's ridiculously expensive for sure that said I bet SRAM is sold out of that stuff like I bet all the people buy it.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're cool. Like it's technology and, and all of us, you know, we've mentioned it before, but a lot of people are just in this just cause it's, it's a, a hobby, a, a gear passion and you want to have the latest and greatest and kind of mess around and do things. So I totally get why you would buy it and yeah, it, it does work. And I think they're going to keep making it better. Like the, you know, the ergonomics of that shifter paddle do need a little bit of work, I would say, but I'm sure that we'll see new versions in the future that are even better because a lot of, it opens up a lot of options of what you could do with that technology. Yeah.
0: Okay, so Kaz, I'm gonna draw a line in the sand. I'm gonna say, given the choice, I'm picking an Axis drivetrain. What do you what are you picking?
2: Uh, I'm not picking axis. Do I do you want me to say which one I
0: would pick? No, I don't care about no. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I would, I wouldn't pick axis. <laughs> yeah, That's I would fair just pick enough. a Yeah. Pick a th- cable actually. James, I think you're gonna pick Axis, aren't you?
1: Yeah, money no object, I'd pick Axis, yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 What about Fox's live valve suspension, Kaz? We, you and I have both ridden that. Um, what do you think of that? It's another one
2: where it's like, I get what they're, where they're going and I could see the appeal maybe for an XC racer that just doesn't want to have to think at all about whether their suspension is as efficient as it could be. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, I ride most of my full suspension bikes I ride are the longer travel. It's not, I don't really see it being necessary in that realm where you just kind of, you want your suspension pretty firm for the climb and pretty open for the downhills. So I don't think you need the electronics and all that going on for it.
0: Yeah. I'm more inclined to believe you on that one, Kaz. I've ridden the live valve briefly and it was in Pemberton. It's super rooty, super Rocky. And it didn't really feel that amazing. But I mean, if I was a cross country racer or the terrain wasn't as complicated, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, I could see it making sense. I don't think it's quite there yet, but Hey, maybe down the road. Yeah. And I guess, you know, the other part that we're starting to see go electronic is dropper posts.
2: Uh, yes. We both spent time on that. I think the first one I tried out was that Magura, uh, Magura Veron post. Because that was before, there were rumors at the time that SRAM had something in the works. Or RockShox had something in the works. But um, I managed to get my hands on that Magura just because I wanted, the concept seemed interesting. I tried the Magura and it wasn't very good. No. Uh, delay, eh? Yeah, there's delay, which is that was the whole thing like you pushed you had to kind of hold down the um the actuator for a certain amount of time before your post would start to lower and it just yeah and and james you tried that one too didn't you
1: yeah i tried it i uh, might get in trouble for this but i tried it on a sick bike so to (laughs) what not not (laughs) for real (laughs) for for real yeah yeah um yeah i remember the delay and i remember just the post being slow like it just came up slow went down slow and you yeah, kind of it, so it was in behind. the place you wanted it five seconds after you needed it. So I was not, mm-hmm. yeah, not a fan. Yeah. And
2: then, yeah, and then RockShocks came out with the reverb axis, and that is not slow. And it's exactly what kind of the promise was of that first, the early electric dropper post. Um, that does wireless axis is impressive, Kaz, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I can get behind that one because. We, it just if your dropper post did run out of batteries, it wouldn't be as big a deal because you could lower the post,
0: isn't it? Isn't it a thousand dollars? How much is it? Yeah, it's so expensive.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's I guess I can't. So get behind you're it all the okay
0: way. with your thousand dollar derailleur, no, but not it's eight
2: hundred okay. dollars for the post, but no, I can't get behind it for that price either because I, yeah, there's so many good two hundred dollar droppers, and also the reverb doesn't come in a long uh length right now, I think it only comes 170 is the max. So I just got this bike that I'm testing that's super fancy um, because companies sometimes send us these super fancy bikes. Sometimes, And it has a 170 axis on it where the bike, it's one that really I want a 200. So I actually pulled the axis off and put a a, a (laughs) one-up
0: post on it so I could have 200 mils of drop. 2020, mountain bike editors whining about dropper posts with only 170 millimeters of travel. I like it.
2: Yeah, well, it's because the seat tube yeah. angle is steep. So it makes yep. that po- like it's just because of the geometry. It's yeah. if this was five years ago or three years ago with a slack seat tube angle, the seat would be out of the way enough, even with a 150 mil drop.
0: Yeah, well, two of my field test bikes, the Scalpel and the Epic Evo, I moan about them, they had long seat posts or long seat tubes, and I think only 150 mil drops. Kaz, it felt short. I was right. like, "What? what is this seat doing tapping my ball yeah, all the time? it's weird. Once you get that.
2: used to the longer, it's hard to go back. And I have, both of us have pretty much pretty similar leg length. So uh, we can run, yeah, 200, 210 mil post. And it's great just to have the seat lower and out of the way. So anyways, back to the reverb. They don't, they, at the moment, they only make it in a 170 length. So you could buy this $10,000 bike and still have to swap out your super fancy electric uh, electronic dropper post for a cable one because you want more drop. But that's more of a thing. I'm sure they'll fix that in the future. Just, yeah the way everything's going but yeah
0: yeah the future is promising i think the the drivetrain and the suspension stuff right now it's it's interesting um drivetrain ready to go suspension not so much but 5 years down the road maybe 10 years down the road what about some time where we see dropper posts integrated with your suspension you know i sort of thought that the that capability might be possible with axis but we haven't seen it yet
2: yeah, we should talk about this with RC, Richard Cunningham, because we, I think all of us had a similar idea when this stuff, we just started kind of brainstorming one time. But if you lowered your post, so at the fullest, uh, when it's dropped all the way, if that opened your suspension up all the way to your descend mode, and then if you raise it up, if it firmed it up into like a climbing mode. Uh, we've seen BMC did a, a version of that on one of their mm-hmm. bikes. But mm-hmm. uh, It, it kind of makes sense. It would be cool. Then, Levy, you, you hate to flip the lever, so this way it would do it for you. So. right.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, I love that clean cockpit. I don't want anything on there. I don't want to have to think about changing my bike. I don't like that. I don't want my, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of geometry changing chips and changing modes and shocks and forks and stuff like that. But if it did it on its own and I, <laughs> I didn't have, <laughs> didn't to, have think to think about it, it you know, <laughs> yeah. and the bike gets better. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder right now if somebody at SRAM is beavering away on something or riding in the bush right now and he drops his seat post, suspension automatically opens up and they're testing something like that.
2: That'd be. be. And we're talking a lot about SRAM here and RockShox, but we can't forget Shimano because they were the first one in the mountain bike world to have the, uh, an electric, I keep saying electric is electric or electronic. It doesn't matter someone will tell you in the comments. yeah i can't remember <laughs> let's just say like battery powered yeah they were the first one to have a battery powered uh drivetrain um from di2 and then that came over onto the mountain bike side but that had it wasn't wireless so that yeah. was
0: we should really its downfall we should talk about s- some di2 for a little bit here because we yeah. both use that extensively mm-hmm. um let's talk performance first pretty neat eh yeah it worked well
2: yeah that was the first uh
0: electronic drivetrain i'd ever tried and yeah right you know The big thing for me was that consistency. It's just no matter what, it's super, I had it in the winter, super muddy. And I remember I was just like pressure washing the shit out of my test bike that I had it on and chain. It was rusty and it's just like muddy everywhere. Dude, that stuff shifted perfectly.
2: Yeah, it was good. And their lever shape was good. They just kind of mimic their normal uh, shifter lever. So it just felt normal, except you just had a battery. But then the wires.
0: Uh, I would never go down that road again.
2: No, like the, setting those up was such a pain on certain bikes.
0: Yeah. I've heard this story, but I want other people to hear this DI2 story too. So Kaz, take it away. Yeah, right.
2: so I set mine up. I think I had mine on a Trek Slash at the time. It was like three years ago. And I set it up. It, it feels forever. like yesterday. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it took forever to set up just because running everything. But I got the got the battery in the top tube, like all wrapped in in, uh, in foam, just so it's sitting there and be quiet. So I go on a ride and partway through the ride, it somehow shifted. And so it's slapping around inside my top tube and then disconnected. So then my, my drivetrain wouldn't work because my battery was not connected. And to get to that, I would have had to take the fork off again. So uh, I wasn't happy about that.
0: Ooh, I had a similar experience. I installed it on a Rocky Mountain Element, um, their XC race bike. And I had stuffed it down. So I had an early prototype version of the bike, I think, with like a smaller Di2 window that wasn't big enough to put the battery in. So I did the same as you. I wrapped it in foam and stuff, and I took the fork out and put it down the down tube, and I hooked up the wire. And I want to say it took like seven hours one day because it didn't work out. The cables weren't the right length. I took it apart, and then maybe four hours another day. And then I went for a bike ride, and the battery slid down the down tube. The, ba- the cable pulled out, and it stopped working.
1: Yeah. it was. I was...
0: <laughs> I was... I could not imagine being a customer and having bought, how much was that thing? Like fifteen hundred, fifteen to yeah, two grand expensive or something?
2: Yeah, just like all this new stuff. Yeah, it was so yeah. funny.
0: being a customer and having done that themselves, you know, if I bought that, I would want to install it myself, not a shop, yeah. and go for a bike ride, and then that happens, I would have a, I'd have a seizure. I get yeah. so mad,
2: <laughs> I'd have a seizure. <laughs> yeah, so, that, you know, and I think that Shimano has realized that too. I think they kind of pushed pause on that project. They brought their new 12-speed, drive trains out i wouldn't be surprised if they're starting to work on that stuff again but i do think they kind of realized they had some catching up to do in the other uh the other drivetrain realms they kind of brought all that stuff out and maybe they'll go back
0: to work on that we'll see Pe- performance wise great wires not mm-hmm. so much yeah i hope i hope we see them do something wireless at some point soon
2: it would be cool yeah i just like seeing the competition because it's always a fun game of one upmanship and then we get to try and compare and contrast because when there's only one game in town right now it's like well this, this works but Nothing to compare it to, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about? They, what about?
1: Sorry, James. Go ahead. I was going to say, have they got any wireless stuff on the road? Do you know? Or are they still cables there with the DIT?
0: No, yeah, yeah, not yet. Uh, All cables. Yeah, or wires. I bet it's going to be awesome when they do do it, though. Not. Yeah, yeah not cables, wires. I guess you're right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm sure they they're not known for putting out things that are half-assed. Well, except for a free hub that didn't really work well, but.
2: Yeah, but that didn't come out too much.
0: <laughs> yeah. It only came out a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Like, ah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just jokes. Overall, besides <laughs> that, Yeah, besides yeah. that, their stuff's usually pretty well sorted when it hits the market. Right, right. Hey, Kaz, what about this? What about this idea? What if there was a strain gauge somewhere in your cranks or pedals or bottom bracket or wherever? Uh, I'm not an engineer. I just come up with stupid ideas. I'll let the engineers figure it out. And it was connected to your electronic drivetrain so it could feel how hard you're pedaling it obviously knows your cadence it also knows the inclination of the hill that you're on how steep up or down it might be what if your drivetrain shifted automatically i'm not saying i'd want that but yeah i would not want that no because we yeah. all ride differently and stuff but they could do that yeah. do you remember yeah, the good do, do you remember the bike on the the uh, shopping channel that had the weights in the spokes that would slide out and it shifted the derailleur around. Yeah, It was like a little flywheel thing. Like once it got
2: spun up to speed, it would move the move the chain down the cassette and yeah, all these yeah, these old people would bring them in the bike shop I worked at. And be like, I just bought this. Can you help me? <laughs> Grandpa doesn't need no electronics. <laughs> yeah, he's got this electronic or automatic shifting.
0: <laughs> yeah, use like centrifugal stuff. force and fishing uh-huh. line and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah. Something yeah, that, I see automatic shifting going, but no. maybe we'll
2: get an electric gearbox one of these days, and then that'll be all the things that'll make everybody happy, right?
0: You know, if we had something like that, I might be more inclined to be a fan of gearboxes. I mean, the twist shifter thing that, that most internal gearboxes have now is, doesn't
2: work well at all. So maybe if you just had a nice little button pusher. Well,
0: they've been talking thing. about... A cable-operated trigger shifter for like 87 years. Is it uh, real yeah. yet? Has it happened? I haven't seen it. I don't know. <laughs> Someone will post a whole bunch of links in the yeah. comments. that will be in There's there. some German company that has it all figured out. But. Yeah. So, what would it take, Kaz, for you to want to put an electronic drivetrain on your bike? What would you want out of an electronic drivetrain?
2: No batteries. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't what about, I what about longer
0: battery life?
2: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they do last a long time, but yeah, long, even longer would be great. Like if it lasted six months or something, that'd be cool. But as it is, it's, they do last a, a I think, bunch of rides, like yeah, 20 I did,
0: rides or something. I think I've got 31 rides and it was red for the last couple of rides, but I mean, you just drop it yeah. in the 10 and just keep it in the 10 tooth cog, yeah. Right, Cass? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, my ride yesterday, the battery was fine
2: and I was out for 10 hours.
0: So yeah. It's, it works. So for you, you want something that you'll have to think about even less. Yeah. I think that'd be good if it, yeah. For making requests, that'd be cool. Like a hundred rides or something. Yeah. You know, awesome. Imagine that. Yeah. What else would you would, you um, want it to be quiet and less expensive?
2: Well, yeah, obviously that. And if we're talking about this, I want the derailleurs to be smaller and less, just stick out less and less obtrusive as far as smashing into stumps and things, you know, they, they've gotten bigger over the years, which for me, it hasn't correlated with any more ripped off derailleurs. Like I don't, it's rare that I run into a, a derailleur issue. Um, yeah, I know some people have they they <laughs> seem to rip them off all the time, but I don't <laughs> usually run into that. No, me uh, neither. Not so much. Yeah, but it would be. I, I remember, like, I like the idea of a shorter cage derailleur, something to just yeah. tucks in even closer. Um, that'd be cool if they can do that. Whether that's an electric, electronic derailleur
0: or just a regular one. Yeah, either way, it'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think you speak the truth, guys. Something that's way less expensive. Like, imagine a GX axis drivetrain. That costs, I don't know, like $1,000. Maybe it still seems like <laughs> a lot of money. Still so mind. much money. Jesus <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. Like, but it's, that's SRAM, if you're listening, all I'm saying is that it's, I like it so much. It shifts so well that I want less expensive, less expensive versions of it. So I get to use it more. That's all I want. <laughs> so you, you guys work on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: what else? My other requests? Uh, I want to be able to set the. Be tension without needing to use a tool and without sitting on the bike. Or maybe not B-tension. need to
0: set it at all. That'd be cool.
2: But I don't know how you do that because every frame shape is different. That's true. But like now you have to sit on the bike and use a little plastic tool to get
0: No, 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 perfect. dude. Every bike needs to use that, that same universal derailleur hanger. Just use that and then everything will be the same. Nope, that doesn't work either. No, it doesn't work. Damn Damn it. Yeah. (laughs) This is why I'm not an engineer. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but that's more of a little request. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, setting those things up is pretty simple.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's so nice.
2: We're in a good place now. I mean, it's 2020, and we actually do have some futuristic stuff that we're riding around on. So... Right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. We don't have any hover bikes yet, but... I know. That's really what I'm holding out for. Because once the hover bikes hit, I'm just all hover bike all the time. (laughs) It doesn't matter. (laughs) So, speaking of hover bikes...
0: I like how you say hover. How do you say it? Hover. Hover. <laughs> yeah, 10 different words. <laughs> I'm getting a complex. Whenever I do these podcasts, <laughs> you guys pick out every single word I mispronounce.
2: I'm Canadian. Well, I mean, to be fair, you're Canadian, I'm American, and James is English, so it's different. It's true. Or British. Do we say English or British? Or is that both? Um,
1: okay. Both, but. Okay. Yeah, yeah, take your pick. All right. <laughs> what about
0: active suspension? So I mean, when, when I say active suspension, what I mean is suspension that it, it basically reads the terrain in front of the bike that's coming and it's, it actively responds to it. Sounds tricky. I don't know.
2: Like I know they kind of work on stuff like that and it's sort of the premise behind live valve, right? Like the, Your fork sort hits the bump of. and sort of tells the shock what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sort of. Um yeah, I mean, I don't think active suspension is a real thing that will ever happen with mountain bikes because people don't want to pay fifty thousand dollars for a mountain bike or yeah. whatever. It
2: wasn't would it be- gonna be like magnetic oil, the electronic magnetic
0: oil thing in the shock. Is that thing? Yeah, they do stuff like that. Not, yeah. I don't know who, but somebody does. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, somebody out there does something.
2: I know. I feel like I need to get smarter about all this electronic <laughs> stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, you know, what's funny though, is for that's the very reason that I'm a fan of this, this electronic drivetrain stuff. You can put it on your bike and you don't have to be that smart. I know it's kind of intimidating, but you bolt it on and it has a, a trim function that you just press the button to tell it which way to trim, connect it. You're good to go. And it's, there's no adjustment. I love it. Well, yeah, I mean, you have your regular limit screw adjustments, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's
2: the same as a normal derailleur to that up pretty much, but. Yeah. And then you have to have your phone out too. You You don't need your
0: phone. No, I know. But But that's the other big plus actually that I forgot to bring up. You just reminded me, you could tailor the thing. You could make it. So I have a gravel bike right now and I'm putting a hybrid road mountain bike axis drivetrain on it and i'm using these little weird little remote blip buttons to control the shifting so i can shift from the hoods of course but i can also shift from the tops and i mean you could use those blip things if you're clever you could probably rig them up with an axis shifter so you could have shifter other buttons doing controlling other things and i don't know it's neat i like the flexibility of it
2: Yeah. And I do want to see the controls change. It should be cool if there's like different options. Like I like the blips for the dropper post, like what, um, like Kate Courtney was using on her Scott. Yes, you can, that looks super cool. So, and even if you had like a toggle switch on the inside of your lock on grip, if it was less of a button and just like a little toggle for your dropper, I think that'd be cool
0: too. Yeah. I suspect we're going to see some pretty cool stuff in the future. Some smart people working on things. So. Okay, so that's it for electronics on bikes. I'm a fan mostly. Casimir is not. Uh, James, you're electronic curious, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah. I mean, I use, you know, Trail Forks instead of a map. And, yeah, you know, I'm not against the idea at all. So bring it on. I
0: also use Trail Forks every now <laughs> I and then. do. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> all right, let's move on to Comment Gold and wrap this podcast up. Uh, first Comment Gold, Ripper Sub. He says another stop in a
1: hardline world series? Yeah, this is talking about psychosis, I guess, and I just thought it'd be a cool idea to have like some super crazy wild out there courses forming some sort of separate world. Some out of the
0: box non UCI, like crazy long, hard downhill courses, or maybe something that's ridiculously difficult, maybe an urban course even. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that would be cool.
0: Yeah,
2: that'd be cool. People have always said they wanted to see like Red Bull Rampage become a series, but just the terrain so unique there that it can't. But something like the Hardline, where it's just like hard, even harder downhill courses than a World Cup course, which seems ridiculous because World Cup courses are already very hard. But it'd be pretty entertaining to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the next one comes from Vorsprung, actually, and this is from their own press release. They um, they listed the downsides of their own products. They said it costs more money than not having it. One hundred thirty grams is still more than zero grams. Can be damaged if you have it, can't be damaged if you don't.
0: I like that. Yeah, I like I like companies that do things like that. Like, you know, this is it's just bikes, right? It's just bikes. It's good to have a little sense of humor. (laughs) Yeah, don't take yourselves too seriously. All right, everybody. So that is the last comment gold, and that's it for episode 18. I'm gonna leave you guys with the question: what do you think about electronics? So assuming price isn't a consideration, let's pretend this stuff costs, you know, the same as a regular drivetrain. Would you choose an electronic drivetrain over a traditional cable operated one? Let us know what you think in the comments. Next week, we are talking hardtails. Casimir, are you ready to defend yourself? I'm ready. I got a whole list of defense. (laughs) All right. Okay. We'll see you next week. Get ready for a hardtail chat.